It looks like the clock is about to strike midnight on this Cinderella story. It's uh, refreshing, yet uh, displeasing to the eye. Somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat and a red shirt. Now he takes off the shirt. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. In the dying seconds! Unbelievable! They wouldn't say die! That just shows that they didn't come to play. They really come to play here at the MCG tonight. Hello and welcome to another edition of They Came to Play, the podcast where Danny McGinley and I trawl through the weekend's action from the AFL and try to make sense of it all. Uh, and Danny McGinley, look at the smile on his face today. Oh, he is very, very happy. Uh, and each week to replace Tess Armstrong on the podcast, we welcome in a very special guest and it is indeed a very, very special guest Yes, uh, this week. He is a comedy royalty in Australia, but more importantly, he's a Melbourne fan. Rob Sitch, thanks Yay, for joining me. Robbie! It's, it's lovely to have been chosen at random from the phone book. Thank hey. you. It's quite a... Quite an honour. Are you uh, on media? Are you on media street this week, Rob? Like you, how, how many other famous Melbourne fans are there that they can uh, sort of like the radio producers can just reach in and grab? I don't want to boast, but I just was at Fox Footy with Mike Sheen, <laughs> <Here we go. laughs> doing a doing a little uh, reminiscent of the '57 poor years. Oh, um, so yeah, there's a few, there's a few floating around. Um, you know, Titus and yeah, um, Harry the Hire is a Melbourne supporter. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I never knew. See, if I'd known that back in my ABC grandstand days, we definitely would have had him on at some point. Well, it's interesting. I, I got a sense that in Adelaide there was um, prior to the AFL developing, there was quite a few Melbourne followers because wasn't Norwood the same? Yes, Guernsey. yeah, yeah. Norwood uh, was the the same colours and and the same Guernsey as well. Yes, you're quite right. So I imagine a lot of Norwood fans and Norwood's a big South Australian club. Oh yeah, huge. Yeah, like they should have joined the league instead of the Crows. It should have been bringing yeah, in Port was, Adelaide and Norwood. There was a push for that for a while there, uh, and Norwood also home to one of my favourite ever footballers who just last week rejected his invitation uh, to be inducted into the AFL Hall of Fame, and that's Gary McIntosh. Oh. Who, what's Macca's problem? What's, it, what's, what's his issue? His yeah. issue is that he is so wildly South Australian and, uh, and uh, well, no, but patriotic's not the right word. What's the word? I'm oh, um, I know just, this word. But he, he hates Victoria. Mm. He hates Parochial. 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 Uh, he got AFL clubs begged him to play for them in the 80s and he just told them all to get stuffed. And he's the type of bloke who you'll, you know, back then you would have seen him down your local pub in thongs, stubbies and a sheer-in singlet, playing darts and uh, drinking pints all afternoon. He yeah, was South Australian, so there'd be imperial pints. It's nothing. Yeah. I could do that, mate. Yeah. <laughs> it sounded like a good life there for a while, I thought. <laughs> He, he was loving it. And it was a, we had an expression when I was growing up where you'd say when you went to describe how long something was, mm. you'd go, oh, how far did it go? And you'd go, oh, mate, it went further than a Gary McIntosh handball because he oh. was famous for wow. out like a 30-metre handball. It's funny the ones you remember that came across, you know. Um, Diamond Jim Tilbrook, was he? Do you remember? Are you old enough to remember Diamond Jim? I don't know Diamond Jim. That was back in the days when every nickname was given by Lou Richards. Hey. And <laughs> what, at the yeah. border, you just stopped there and he just had a look at you and you go, he "Yeah, was, your trousers." Yeah, Lou. Lou was very good at that. And he, Jim Tilbrook, came across as the most expensive import, I think, at the time. I think it was it was the shocking figure. I think of sixty nine thousand dollars, yeah, right? Oh, I mean, which it's... is which is a Nadia Bartel fine at the moment. But um... <laughs> <laughs> poor old Nadia. I did enjoy that uh, the the focus half the focus the day after the Nadia Nadia Bartel video came out was about the dollar fifty Kmart tray. Yes, <laughs> there's actually a pyramid of importance. It was the it was the poor crockery, 
Yeah. <laughs> then it was the gathering. That was the issue. Yes, like, yeah. I heard uh, one of the Victorian state ministers saying, you know, I think everyone's annoyed that uh, she broke the rules. And you go, no, no, it's not the rules. It's the criminal law. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's going, oh, the, uh, you know, sure, I mean, drugs, sure. But gathering, no. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm doing all of my drug taking on Zoom at the moment. This is yeah, just yeah, exactly. for safety. Oh, sorry, can I correct the record? Was seen sniffing white powder. I was, ah, I think, I was ah, good yeah. work. That oh, is he is broadcasting. He knows <laughs> what he's doing. If I can that just is, retreat. <laughs> that is how they described it on the news. And the yes. one that made me laugh on, on social media the next day was people calling it Nadia Cartel. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's the simple, good ones, are, the simple nice. ones are often the best. Um, before I forget, do you? if I said the name Brian Peake, would you remember that? Lena? Yes. Yes, Brian Peake, famous so, South Australian football name, yes. You know, I'm thinking of the, you know, the WA guy that, that arrived by helicopter at Geelong. That, so oh. it was probably a pre-date, yeah. He was, look, just about everyone that came over as a superstar was a superstar over here. But occasionally someone came over and, and wasn't seen to perform. But yeah. if you go back and look at Brian Peake's record, he murdered Victoria in every state game. He was unbelievable yeah. in the waffle. And it was just, I don't know, maybe might have been the coach for a year or two or something, an absolute superstar. And just couldn't make it happen. I oh, know, but he was a good VFL player as well, wasn't he, for Geelong? Oh, yeah, yeah. well, yeah, he was. But it was, it was, it didn't, it wasn't like that, you know, you know, the greats, sticks yeah. in a hand, that sort of, you know, come over. Isn't it, isn't it funny how the, you know, you, if you chopper someone in in the 70s, it really, yeah. that story sticks and never goes away because when people talk about Peter Hudson, <laughs> it's always about him being choppered in for games. It's, uh, it's always the choppering in moment. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. But, I mean, the VFL was fairly solidly poaching players for, for decades, weren't oh, they? Yeah. There's a, Greg Anderson has a great story about, so he won a McGarry medal was dominating mm. for Port Adelaide. He at one point had four Holden Commodores in his front yard in Port Adelaide or West Lakes where he lived. <laughs> one from one from Carlton, one from Essendon, one from Collingwood, and one from Hawthorne. And Whoa. I think the Holden <laughs> Commodore was your standard gift to try and get someone to agree to sign with you back in those days. There was one actually also from Footscray, but it was up on blocks and uh, had was, been broken into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was, it was on brand. I don't know. I don't know whether you, you, you know, we were jumping into getting ahead of ourselves to talk about preliminary finals yet, but um, I was went over to the last preliminary final um, that Melbourne played against the West Coast Eagles. Oh, 2018. Yeah. It's 2018. And it's really interesting because we'd won two big finals at the MCG at night, yes. Hawthorne and Geelong, and that lovely chill in the air, you know, front, and... I, we arrived in Perth. It was 25 degrees. <laughs> uh, the last cloud was somewhere on the co- over the Cocos Keeling Islands, about 4,000 <laughs> kilometres away. <laughs> not The Fremantle doctor had, had, had clocked off. It was not a breath of wind. Yeah. And, you know, like the grass in Melbourne sort of thinks about starting to grow about now. Yeah. Over there it was like... You know that grass they have at the Ryder Cup? You just, it's just. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like Augusta. <laughs> yeah, 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 like at Lords, you know, in late yeah. June. And even the nature strip, if you bounced a football, I reckon I could have run down bouncing a football at pace. And as I walked to the ground, 25 degrees, I'm thinking, this is not Melbourne's natural habitat. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the, the, the Eagles had had, had uh, I don't know, 13 days swimming at Cottesloe every morning, um, and it was just a bloodbath in football it, terms. It really was. Robert, can you describe to us the difference between the flight over, which I'm sure was full of Melbourne fans, and hmm. the flight back, which I'm also sure was full of Melbourne fans? It was um, It was really interesting. The really great thing, Limo, was that it was also a red eye. So right. um, just when you're feeling down, uh, <laughs> you realise you've got a with the with the with the jet stream, you, you you've got about a three and a half flight before you 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 grab your yeah. ten minutes of sleep and wake up. It was 
<laughs> it was a, it's the, that was a long day. Oh um, yeah. And, and we didn't kick a goal uh, till the third quarter, I think, from memory. Yeah, that's, and, which is not ideal. No, it's not good. <laughs> and there were early signs, you know, the, the West Coast Eagles, were, you know, that, that I, I don't think, I mean, West Coast Eagles don't see mud after about June 10. Mm. And so yeah. the confidence was with, say, run and bounce and kick. And, yeah. and then there was a bad sign early in the first quarter. Jordan Lewis fumbled for the first time since the under nines. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I went, oh, hang on. We, we, I, reckon it, I reckon those two finals have taken something out of us. Is it any consolation that Melbourne, uh, West Coast went on to win the grand final? No. Um, no, it's, it, it, it's, you know what, I, I do think this is, I mean, I defer to your slightly better expertise or non-involvement in, in not having skin in the game, Lima. But there is something to that that rest, whatever it is, general soreness and all that. It's oh, yeah. this stage of the season, that, that um, week off is... Absolutely. And it's it's rectified itself because there was... It, for the last four or five years, we've had that week off at the end of the minor round, which yeah. I've always thought is yeah. ridiculous. No, it's a great thing. I love it. It's the best thing ever to be done. Was it first in 2016? Might have been. It was, yes. What happened there? And but this year, that rest because you only have one week off. Two weeks off in four weeks or in three weeks was too much. You're right. And it put. Well, we are getting. You know that there is the break next week. But that's. But it's the same for both teams. Same for both teams. Yeah. So, yeah. But this time, Melbourne have got a – that break is really worthwhile and for Port, and I reckon they both go in raging favourites this week. There was a stat from, uh, from Swamp uh, that teams that won the qualifying final uh, from the year 2000 onwards uh, without a pre-finals buy, 28 out of 32 won the prelim final. Yeah. But with the pre-finals buy, only four out of the 10 won the wow. prelim final. Yes, yes. So the buy really changed things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, really just kills the momentum. Because <laughs> I know Port struggled with it last year. Port beat Geelong in the qualifying final last year. So they'd had a week off, they beat Geelong, then they had another week off, and then they had to play who beat Port in Richmond. The, uh, Richmond. Yeah, beat Port at Adelaide Oval uh, in the prelim. And Port were just a little bit out of whack. They just hadn't played enough footy. Well, no, they only lost that by a kick, and there was some pretty dodgy umpiring, as I recall, in that uh, final Danny, quarter. And we'll get to dodgy umpiring shortly. Mate. Oh, yeah, shut up. You. <laughs> can we, talk about, we talk about the bloody Bulldogs-Lions game. Oh, my God. But to, to go back to your earlier oh, wow. point, Limo, as the, I would say I've been through more losing prelims than both of you combined, I would say. I would think that's yes. true. We, uh, we're the experts at it. You... Almost always want the team that has beaten you to lose the grand final. It doesn't make it any better when they go on to win. That's interesting. So 2009, when the Saints uh, beat the Bulldogs, in uh, you know you'd think there'd be solidarity between the little clubs. Now nah, I was cheering for Geelong like nothing else. Yeah, right. Well, the famous one was '87 when Gary Bacanara kicked kicked us out of the grand final. Yeah. And then Hawthorne went on to get absolutely smashed yeah, yeah. on a really hot day from memory. It was yes. 27 or something like that. I'll tell you how hot it was, Rob. Michael Tuck wore a short sleeve jumper, <laughs> a sleeveless jumper for what may have been the first time in his career. That's the first grand final I remember. I was only five. Sorry to make you guys feel old, but oh, I, uh, I remember them. Pe- uh, people coming around to our house, and uh, and mm. my godfather was a massive Carlton fan, so we were all cheering for them. Just to close out on that preliminary final, the West Coast Eagles. It's um, t- two things I remember from it is uh, I've been in some noisy stadiums, you know, over the years here and around the world, but nothing like Optus. Yeah, Optus it- is great. Have you been there, Lemus? No, I haven't. It's so it's something. It is really well made. It's quite electric and echoic, as you say, Rob. Oof. And uh, physically, I felt it. It's like if you feel it in your lungs, like a little concussive hit from the noise. It's I, yeah. I've never been in a stadium where that I felt that. But on the way back after it was all over, it was like, oh god, it was just just. Who did you go with, Rob? 
I went with Jane, and, and she she spent two and a half million frequent flyer points to get get us over there. <laughs> oh, cause, yeah, because they bumped yeah. up the price to like oh, five was, grand yeah. a pop. It was unbelievable. It was uh, like, yeah, it was unbelievable. So I, I on the walk back, we stayed till the end, and, and on the walk back, I'm wearing Melbourne scarves and you know no camouflage whatsoever. <laughs> and a, a bunch of guys went, hey, we love you. and one of the one of, one of his mates hit him and go, mate. They've suffered enough. What are you doing? <laughs> and the guy apologised to me. <laughs> no, yeah. I, was, I was actually going to ask you if they were gracious winners, uh, but well, I they, it, like they really, they really it was it was pity. They that was the only group yeah. that did it, and even then, his mates, um, his mates, uh, um, you know, told him off, and he apologised to him. Well, so you don't have to apologise, but I, but it's nice that you did. My advice to any uh, Port Bulldogs, uh, Cats and Demons fans, if you go to the prelim this week, like losing a prelim I think is worse than losing a grand final because, you know, people always remember who made the grand final. You're sort mm. of like just the also-rans. And, you know, as I said, I've sat through seven losing prelims and you, you feel pretty rubbish. If your team wins... Celebrate the win. Don't revel in the other people's loss. They are suffering enough. That's what makes people hate you more than like, – and that's why I hate St Kilda. 2009, they were really in our yeah. faces, oh, not okay. just celebrating. Yeah. yeah no, we, I don't think we'll – there's no early crow for us. It's um, – <laughs> I said to – I said I'm not where – I've got a – I said just before I'm, I'm not wearing any Melbourne paraphernalia. I'm not – I'm not having a cheese board until the, the grand final is, is over. It's, right. I, there's only one outcome that is – there's no second prize with this after 57 years. So you're going to wait before you plug the snow machine in, you'll wait for the final, <laughs> the final siren. I, I'm, I'd either get a glitter gun or sort of <laughs> – if, if, if gender reveals came in red and blue, I'd, I'd – Oh, yes. <laughs> Yes. A gender reveal cannon. I would repurpose for the for, now, um, Robert. You have, of course, you can't travel this weekend. Mm. You can't go to the game. You won't be able to go to the grand final. But you've got behind you. I was going to raise this pre-pod, but I've saved it to raise now. Is that map of the world there to remind us <laughs> that we cannot go anywhere? <laughs> This is, no, this I, used I, to be at our fingertips. This map, but it is not anymore. I um, I my office is a fairly undecorated office. It's sort of um, you know, you know where hostages shoot their proof of life videos with the- <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and our producer saw is was offended by that over the years and had that. Child's poster of the world framed and put up on the wall. <laughs> and uh, if not for that, there would be nothing. Sort of, right. I, I probably should put up an ISIS flag so that people think it's, it, is a, it is a video. To... Well, surely, Rob, the, the Mark Knight demons poster. Oh, I'll get be, that. You'll get, I'll get that? that. Oh, no, no question. Oh, yeah. No, you'd, you'd be getting a few copies of that, I would have thought. It's funny. I don't know how much paraphernalia and memorability you guys have got but i launched gary lyon's book the demon within and you know it doesn't matter how long in the tooth you get as a supporter you always put captains of your club and stars on another level oh yeah oh yeah absolutely one of the highlights of my life and uh gary organized you know the the framed uh guernsey you know unbelievable i just you could I could want for nothing better, but it's funny as you, you'll know this. The you know how the um, the there's class A and class B voting rights in a household. <laughs> yes, yes, Bob, I absolutely do. And its pride of place has shifted as via the various gen, annual general meetings that I wasn't a party to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The AGMs at our house take place while I'm out at gigs, and um, that's right. The, the dog gets a, my wife's staring at me right now while I'm telling you this. The dog gets a proxy vote, so there's a quorum. There's a quorum. Resolutions are passed in my absence, Rob. So you it, you did it, a very it, funny thing on one of your stand-ups, Liam. I'm sorry to interrupt about um, cushions on 
Oh, of the yeah, yeah, yeah. number because guys see cushions as a practical thing. You know, it's, it's yes yeah. on a needs basis, but correct. I think girls see cushions as a more decorative opportunity. Where they're decorative, as I've said to my wife on countless occasions, when we sit on the couch, every time I sit on the couch, I need to remove a minimum of two cushions. <laughs> mm, mm. Take my seat. <laughs> and to which I say to her, remember when we bought this couch and we sat on it in the shop, there were no cushions on it. <laughs> it was really comfortable. So if you walk through our house, there is not one clue in our house that I live here. In fact, if a stranger walked through our house and you said, guess who lives here, they would probably go uh, sort of single mum cat lady. Is that in this house? And every, everything that's mine, here's the quick tour. You can see behind me, war, uh, boxing, sopranos, and Hawthorne over there. That's my. And all in one room. All in one room. A 1974 Socceroos. So oh, that's. Gee whiz. So he's got, you got right. your little limo cave there. That's my little. This... Rob, where is the jumper in your house? I don't know. It's it's under the house somewhere. Oh, and, what? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so I made a joke. I said, "Well, what about one of the bathrooms? You know, the, and, and, I, and the guest bathroom." And that was like I didn't realize how high in the totem pole the guest bathroom is. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was like the amazing. It would have been better off suggesting the bedroom. It was. It was but, Rob, as soon as you throw in the word guest and we're from a, some of the same generation, did your parents, like my parents, have good stuff for when guests, like the good crockery, the good plates, oh, the good crockery? The, the, sit on the good not couch. only good crockery, the good rooms. Oh, the good rooms, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. So I grew up in... Um, a, uh, for those listening out of the state, a, a town, a small suburb called Avondale Heights. It was one of the new, it was new migrant suburbs as Melbourne grew, um, and and it was it was back then it was called architect designed, but it was a red double brick, you know, that classic um, yeah. house that you see, and it was a kitchen and a lounge room, uh, and seriously. Twice the, the square meterage of that was in good rooms that no one went into. <laughs> and you go, why would you go to all the trouble to build a house and not yeah. use at least half of it? Yes. Yeah. I, I didn't have this growing up, but I definitely had mates who had the good rooms and I was always a bit baffled and kind of curious by them. And I had, I had one mate who had a Christmas room that was just for Christmas. <laughs> I, was, I remember God. saying to him, mate, we have a Christmas tree, but we keep it in the shed 11 months of the year. I so know, you know that I, there's, there's a thing developing now called the Zoom room. Oh, uh, yeah, wow, well, um, yeah. Where yeah. people are devoting a, a room dedicated like to an office Zoom. Yeah. I'm, I'm partially doing I'm about to hang a curtain in this room, so it will become my office slash Zoom room slash man cave. Uh <laughs> So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm moving into the Zoom. It's funny. I, I love Zoom. it. I've got a, a house that's got a couple of you know sort of heritage style fireplaces, and we renovated. And I thought the, the powers that be suggested again at an annual general meeting. I, I sadly wasn't able to make it to <laughs> that we would convert one to one of those automatic gas things, right? Oh, and, you know where you hit a button and you hear the. And I went, that is so fake. There's no way will I swing around. But convenience, I've got to tell you, convenience has won me over. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I started watching the new Martin Short, Steve Martin series. Oh, yeah, the, 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 where they're like true crime nerds. It's a, a murder thing. Them two are Selena Gomez. Anyway, Martin Short walks into his apartment in New York and presses a remote control and a fire just goes and lights up. And I must admit, Rob, I looked at that and I thought I wouldn't mind one of those. Well, it's, it's funny. It's funny. When it's it's fine to be against them to begin with, but you've got to have the test of your resolve when you experience them. The other <laughs> one was 
I just, when someone said heated car seats, I went, that has to be one of the most stupid options that has ever been put in a car until... they're awesome. (laughs) They're really good, aren't they? Oh, my God. I love that. And mine, we we got our car last year, and this is something I'd never experienced before. It's also, it it calls you as well. I've got one of those now too. Hang on. You've got an electric seat cooler? Yeah, yeah. Yes. How does that work? Definitely get one. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> in summer, I can't live without it now. It's the best. That's a great idea. The, the most fun I've had with the electric seat warmer is uh, my wife's of, uh, you know, Ukrainian stock and Ooh. not really dealing well with the heat. So in the middle of summer, she didn't know that it was there, so I just turned it on and it's just getting hotter and hotter for her and it was one of the biggest fights we ever had in the end. Yeah, I'm uh, sure, I'm sure it was. I should get one of those coolers, though. That, that'll make her feel more at home. Oh, I know. That's a must must purchase, that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, let's, uh, let's get ourselves back to the football. Before we talk about specific games, Rob, I know you've been a keen student of the COVID crisis around the globe over the uh, last couple mm. of years. Where, what's your view on crowds? When do you feel? Because I look at the I look at Europe now. A friend of mine went to see AC Milan. Mm. And mind you, a friend of mine who lives in London and went to Milan for holidays with his family, and then went to a, watch AC Milan play in a packed stadium. And basically, in Europe, you just you need a vaccine passport and a negative test, and you can do anything. Right. Yep. That's, that's basically where they're at. Why, and you're a man with a medical background, why couldn't we just say here in Melbourne, okay, you can all go to watch a final at the MCG if you've been double vaccinated and you've got a negative test from the last 24 hours? Well, well, you could. And the reason that they're nervous is, is that um, the unvaccinated number has to shrink. Because if it gets out, it'll go wild, as far as we can tell, especially with this Delta, Delta strain. So yeah. it's, it's such a complicated thing because uh, being double vaccinated doesn't mean you can't transmit the virus. All the percentages drop. And I guess this is why people are so nervous about opening schools is it's the transmission into the group that aren't, unvac- aren't vaccinated, I think, is what's holding everyone back. But once you get to high vaccination rates, you, you, you've heard the <laughs> – I said this a, about a couple of weeks ago and it, it, it sounded very it sounded very clever as I said it. Um, <laughs> I said, you won't believe the conversations we're having at the end of October. The, the, the premiers will come out and they'll say, you know, we're not going to – if you're not prepared to get vaccinated, we're not going to protect you. That's what they'll be saying at the end of October. Feeding it was like the fall of, of, of Kabul to the <laughs> Taliban. It was five days later that Dan Andrews came out and said. So I guess there's one good thing. One good thing about politicians, they pick the numbers. And I think that once the vaccinated get into the vast majority, I think all the politics changes. Yeah, and people, there's nothing will get people to vaccinate faster than not being allowed to do stuff. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that's the one. <laughs> really, I can't go to Bali. Yeah, what? <laughs> All right, give me the jab. I even looked at the modelling this morning, and Victoria is due to hit eighty percent vaccinated on November twenty-seven. Wow, which Jesus. is Bruce Lee's birthday. So is that we're going to have a massive Bruce Lee themed party that day. <laughs> Jesus, I must admit, I just from the medical side, um, Limo, I often say to people when I was in. You know, I'll say that thing wasn't around when I was in medical school. That cure wasn't around. And oh, yeah. You know, one, one of my favourite recent ones is, I'm going to mispronounce this, Imudimilab, which was a a, um, a therapy for uh, well, melanoma and um, uh, I, think, I think a branch of that was given to Jared Ruffhead. And the guy that, that uh, developed it, uh, you know, won a Nobel Prize, so... Uh, you know, it's been acknowledged. But, you know, even five years ago, it wasn't around. It hadn't been perfected. Oh, yeah, and that's right. an extraordinary achievement. You know, it's just it wasn't even conceived of when I was studying medicine. Well, the mRNA vaccines weren't around a year ago, you know. Yeah. Like, weren't even weren't even probably thought possible in general 
in general circles probably two years ago, even though it was theoretically they thought they could do it. Yeah. I mean, they're, what, they're, has, they're, what is equally amazing, Rob, is and running parallel to that is the number of anti-vaxxers who have come out of the woodwork. I don't have, I'm not on Twitter so I can say this safely, but <laughs> it does amuse me that you won't have an mRNA vaccine, which is one of the geniuses of science, but you will put an anti-parasitic horse drug into your vein, <laughs> into your gut with ivermectin. <laughs> I did hear someone say, I don't know if this was, it could have been a comedian, say, but someone said they won't take the vaccine because they don't know what's in it. But they, this is in reference to people in Byron Bay. Uh, but they'll go to a public toilet while they're out and have a line of whatever <laughs> off, the lid, <laughs> off the toilet seat. Well, I was saying even, you know, look, look, at, look at the ingredients that go into your, your loaf of bread on the side. There's 47 emulsifiers inside there with numbers attached to them <laughs> that you're taking every time you have a piece of bread. I, I'd relax on, on the mRNA. No, Lima, I don't think anyone in Byron Bay is eating bread. I think they're pretty, that's, even, yeah. that's worse than a vaccine. No, that's, you make a good point there. Uh, Danny, is, but we have come from an interesting spot. I think when you come from the Europe spot, it's the, that, They've sort of accepted a certain amount of endemic viral load in the community, but it is yeah. incredible watching the the Dutch Grand Prix the other night. Whoa, you know th those yeah. people are packed together. Yeah, yeah, I'm watching. Yeah, I'm watching college, soccer, and yeah, it's college just... football has started. The I mean, the yeah. final of the European Championships at Wembley, the English fans were far more dangerous than the coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> I'd much rather a dose of COVID. Uh, the bumping into there, Rob. I actually, it's just well, we'll get back to footy in just a moment. But a friend of mine, Rob's, who's a doctor from Adelaide, lives had lived in London for the last 20, 30 years. He says there's a possibility he was patient zero in London. And I Seriously? said, I said, really, what happened? He was in Iceland Christmas 2019. And he went to one of those warm springs in Iceland with a busload of tourists from China. Uh, him and his oh. wife, a bunch of Chinese tourists. He said two days later, him and his wife both got sick like they'd never been sick before. He said wow. it was flu-like, but he said reflecting on it now, all the COVID, classic COVID symptoms, right? But at the time, they just thought they were flu and sick. Got on the plane, still really sick, and flew back to London, New Year's Eve 2000. Wow. 2020, you mean? Oh, sorry, 2019. Right, 2020, yeah. yeah. They landed. Yeah, so that was, that was, that sounds like before it was acknowledged to be properly yes. in London. Yeah, yeah. Now, he reckons there have been some, they've gone back over some old blood samples in Europe, not in the UK, but in Europe, and they've found evidence that it was around in October oh. 2019 yeah. in Europe. See, that's exciting. Where do you think it's come from? Is this, you know, what do we got? Lab? Bat? What do we, what do we got? <laughs> well, the jury's out on the uh, the lab bat. Sherry Markson is about to present a documentary. I, news, I believe I that might answer One of the funny things, I did a lot of study of, of Apollo 11 for sort of filmic reasons, but this is back in the early days of, of the sort of the YouTube world and there was a video that came out, 11 uh, reasons why we've proved that man did not land on the moon. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> and it was and it was that was you know one of the original conspiracy theories. Yeah. And at the at the end of it, I'm going, you know, when you think about it. And <laughs> fortunately it was a it was back when the algorithm was working for the good of mankind. And the next video was debunking the eleven reasons why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always say whatever anyone has said to me, Rob, that man didn't land on the moon. I, which I think is the simplest argument, say, well, if they faked it, then why did they fake it another five times? <laughs> you got away with it once, wouldn't you put the cue in the rack and say, okay, yeah. let's sit on this one? And, and why did Buzz Aldrin punch someone out when they, when they suggested <laughs> it? Uh, well, I learned a new space fact over the weekend, just mm. while we're not talking about footy at all. Do you know, you guys would have seen, there was an old internet email that went around about the difference between the American space program and the Russian space program where uh, they worked out that pens don't work upside, you know, in space. So America spent like $30 million trying to develop this astronaut pen and Russia used a pencil. 
You would have seen that before around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Apparently that's absolutely false because if you use graphite in zero (laughs) gravity, little bits can break off and it's so flammable, it actually destroyed one of the Apollos, they think, a little bit of pencil shaving. Ah. Well, there's the the Russian space program's very interesting. Is their rocket technology um, was, I don't know, it was arguably superior. Their systems were, were, were just beautiful. Um, rocket engines and their spacesuits were so clever. So the pencil story may not be true. Their spacesuit story is true and that the American spacesuits, they had to put them on and they screw on the, the gloves and then put on the cap. And the Russians went, why don't we just have a trapdoor at the back of the suit and climb in into one piece and then close oh, the gosh. back? Mm-hmm. And it's sort of, I, I think once the Americans saw the the American space, uh, the Russian space, it's went, oh, can you believe it? <laughs> <laughs> Russians? Russians. Did they go on to invent Velcro after that? Is that a NASA? Is Velcro a NASA Do you invention? Know, you know, Limo, these are these, one of the things I walked around when I was promoting the movie saying was that the barcodes were invented for the, the, the space program. I think they were used in in a lot of the space right. equipment, but not when you go back and you find it's like a quote that you go. It was, you know, it was it was um, Winston Churchill, and it turns out to be Voltaire or you know some French yeah. philosopher in seventeen hundred. Actually, do I can link all this. Uh, so we're talking about Rob's uh, office being quite sparse, but you told me uh, just the other week, Rob, that you've actually put up a letter you received after the making of the dish. Oh. Yeah, it's in the other office. So oh, we guess we, who wrote to guess who wrote to our friend Rob Sitch. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna like I'm gonna go well Neil Arm. I'm gonna start with Neil Armstrong. Correct. You are correct. Well, that's that's pretty impressive. So and, I met uh, I met Buzz Aldrin and had a good chat with Buzz Aldrin. I never met Collins, but um, but not, what was interesting? I think that Neil Armstrong played with an Aussie in golf. He used to play a lot of golf, and. Played golf and, on the moon, didn't he? Uh, no, that was another astronaut. No, it was a different um, one, damn it. And, and was admonished for that. Uh, so we, we got this letter, but the, the background is is when we were um, thinking how we could animate the story, we said there were three big dishes. We wanted Goldstone, one in Madrid, one in Parks. And we went, oh, Jesus, you know, the, the, it's not a documentary, it's a film, and we're trying to make it a funny film. We'll make it. Parks and Goldstone in California for simplicity because the, the Madrid one didn't play into all the drama that happened. And I thought, oh, one day I'm going to pay for that, you know, dropping Madrid out. <laughs> anyway, the film got released in Spain and I had to do interviews and I went, oh, Jesus, here I'm going to cop it now. It yeah. wasn't raised with me once, not once oh, by terrible. a Spanish journalist or anything, you know, how dare you leave Madrid out of the story and all this. And, I, and it was all done, all dusted. I got away with it. I go, that, geez, that didn't hurt as much as I thought it was going to. Anyway, we got this letter from Neil Armstrong. He was very charming, very positive and very warm towards us. And he said, oh, I must chide you on one thing. You left Madrid out of oh. the storyline. <laughs> <and> you- <laughs> Oh, that's funny. He was the only person to ever, and we thought, well, that's probably why he commanded Apollo 11 because yeah. everything begs, mattered. Which begs the question, Rob, would you rather cop it from the country of Spain or Neil Armstrong if you had to choose? I think Spain. <laughs> to, be to, to be told off by Neil Armstrong. But we sort of made in, in, in our heads, we go, well, never, we won't sort of refer to that letter and while he's alive because it was such a, a per, you know, he, he was clearly the guy that goes, like, I can do without publicity and all that. So, yeah. Um, Which footy team did he go for? Rob, did he ever mention? Well, he, he was at Ohio. So, I reckon he'd be college. Oh, the Buckeyes. So, college um, college football is an amazing thing. It's so weird. It's bigger than NFL uh, in like most places. Well, also yeah. on, in, in sheer numbers. I mean, the number of colleges with 100,000 plus stadiums is ridiculous. In fact, it's funny you mentioned Ohio. The vision, did you see the vision this week from a college game? Yeah. In Ohio, the crowd. Incredible. Just chock a block, was it? Jammed. Absolutely yeah. jammed. <laughs> Zero social distancing going on there, I can tell hey, you. Can I return to football ones? Yeah. Let's do it. So, Because I, I say I, I do not understand the modern game, you know. 
I can I can understand. You know, when you watch the the lab on you know Fox Foot, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, I'm I'm good for two arrows, but once they get up to six arrows, I go nah, um, no, I just don't understand. And the only thing that I, you know, in a really simple sense, is at the start of this year, about one, week one or week two, you know, thinking about famous Melbourne supporters, Russell Howcroft's. Yep. Famous was on the board of the Melbourne Football Club. Hmm. And I texted him maybe week one or week two, and I said, I may regret this in a month's time, <laughs> but our list is the best I've seen it since I can remember. Ooh. The list is great. Yeah. yeah. And I just wonder sometimes with all the tactics and all of that, you go through these waves where your list just gets really good. I, You know what I'll say to that, Rob? I reckon... I have a theory that everyone's list is very similar, but when a football club is performing well, they take a six out of ten footballer and they turn him into an eight out of ten. Oh, I think that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but, but, to, but you need the big. You need. I reckon you, your backline keys have to be right. Your, your, yeah. your mid, mid keys have to be right. You need a good up forward or a ruck. You can't. Like you've got to have some superstars, and then the sixes come up to eights. You do. You definitely need a few superstars. But you look now. I mean, you've got you got a lot of. You know, you go May, May Le- Lever. Lever. Yeah. Then so you go that mid Petraka, Oliver, Gorn. Yeah. Yeah. Viney, and then you go forward to um Fritch. Pickett. Uh, Pickett, um, ben Brown now, who's fitted in yeah, surprisingly yeah. well. Yeah. Um, oh, so, not surprisingly yeah. well. He's awesome. He's always been oh, awesome. Oh, yeah, no, I love Ben Brown as a person, but I just was never sure if he'd fit in to the Melbourne. No, it's, yeah. it's one of the oh, things, I, I, again, I don't understand the modern game, and so I just love a big tall that the other side has to worry about because Tom, Tom yeah. Hawkins – Tom, you have to worry about Tom Hawkins oh, all the time. <laughs> He's a very good footballer. He got a corky, which might be good for you guys. You would have loved seeing that, Limo, to Shane Mumford, almost being like a pantomime villain going up and just taking him out. Wow. <laughs> it was that just, right? you know, watching, I was getting really angry because the uh, umpiring again was terrible on Friday night. Some of the decisions were just <laughs> woeful. <laughs> Rob, Honest. I should warn you, um, this podcast is often accused of it should be called uh, Anthony Lehman Hates the Geelong Football Club. Look, <laughs> so my wife said to me on Friday night, she said, why are you getting so angry? Hawthorne aren't even playing and Geelong are a good team, so why do you care? And I said to her, I said, you just don't understand. She said, what, is this because of the Kennett curse? I said, no, 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 it goes back. In fact, Rob, I once asked Graham Arthur, captain of our first premiership team in 1961, mm-hmm. I said, as far as you're concerned, when did the rivalry begin? And Graham Arthur said, I said, I'll tell you exactly when it began. It began after we lost the 1963 grand final and Bob Davis uh, went to a, um, uh, what's the shop I'm thinking of, Danny? Uh, a taxidermist. I, 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 yes. A taxidermist and got a hawk and buried it in the middle of Cardinia Park. You're kidding yeah, yeah, and as soon as the yeah, but if you ask Lima, if you ask Geelong, if you ask Bob Davis when it started, he'll tell you it was a year before when you belted the crap out of the Geelong uh, players, and then right. when he complained about it to the papers, you got the governor of Victoria threatening to <laughs> shut down the Geelong Football Club. <laughs> We've all got our own stories, right? <laughs> <laughs> As a Melbourne anyway. fan, Rob, who who are your arch rivals? Do you like you know Bulldogs have got the Giants, Hawks well, have got the Cats? Yeah, so out we I grew up with lots of arch rivals. Collingwood, the the, the Melbourne Collingwood game was a marquee game, you know, growing yeah. up, massive. But what mm. happened is a lot of the rivalry swamped us. Um, so we had lots of big grand finals, and and they generate rivalries. Um, and a lot of people just hated Melbourne's dominance, but. Then Carlton Collingwood took over. You know, a lot of the grand finals decide a lot of these big rivalries. Yeah, you know. yeah. Um, or or Kevin Sheedy <laughs> decides. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, it's, you're our rival. Let's go. <laughs> well, you know, there's, there's, it's funny how silly it was. I, I know Mick Malthouse wasn't keen on it, but when Sheeds waved his scarf, you know, something like that is is 
is that creates it's amazing how quickly that created a rivalry. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we had our Essendon rivalry for years. In fact, someone sent a very funny tweet to me, which I think might have done the rounds. I can't remember who it was. They said, because Dan Andrews, Melbourne's lost the grand final again. So they said, Dan Andrews, the first Premier since Hawthorne to lose the grand final two years in a row. <laughs> we, we were the Premiers in 83, we lost the grand final in 1985. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's funny. I like that's it. It's funny. Well, that, well there was a, you'd have to say that Jeff Kenner created a rivalry by his, his comments. Yeah. No doubt about it. And also that line, the line in the sand game with Essendon uh, sort of oh, revived yeah, 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 yeah. that rivalry yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, so how are you feeling about this Geelong game, Rob, this weekend? So I, as I said, I, I this is where I will prove I don't understand the modern game. The, the bit that I can't work out is, is I, can, I can work it out on the stats, is that no one's, no one's walloped us all year. So yeah. psychologically and physically, we've got a fourth quarter in us. So the tank's pretty good. Um, but there seems to be the odd tactics. Clarkson seemed to work some tactics on us that I still don't understand. Uh, it seemed to be yeah. getting the ball to the ground. and it was. I, you know, Rob, see, I'm the same as you. I've watched a lot of footy, as have you. But I still, when we drew with Melbourne, I was listening to commentators say, well, Clarko, tactical genius. And I'd watched the whole game and I was still going, geez, what, what did we do? I, don't even, yeah. I, still couldn't, I couldn't work it out. Like I couldn't give you the answer. Do you know uh, the funny thing is we, we, we've, got a t- we've got a tipping competition in, at, in our office workplace. It's, you know, we've got about, you know, the standard 50, 60 people. And um, when uh, uh, my mum was widowed, Billy Pennell, who's been in our office for years, Said, mate, Dan, would you would your mum like to come and uh, be in the footy tipping competition? I go, oh, <laughs> good luck, mate. My mum was sick of footy. She lived grew up, lived footy all around. Would wouldn't take any interest. This is about fifteen yeah. years ago. Anyway, she he, he speaks to me. Yeah, your mum would love to be in. Really? <laughs> and so he's anyway. So I'm going, God, what does she know? Nothing about footy. So for year one, I'm going, Mum, you're right. You need to go, no, she's fine. She wins the competition against <laughs> 60 people, right? And then the following year, she wins it again. And then the year after that, I, I put the age and the Herald Sun tipsters up. And even by round seven, she was in front of every single tipster <laughs> in every single paper. And and was never bested by. <laughs> and right. I looked at that and I went, how does someone who doesn't know anything yeah. about football statistically outpoint out every single. And I thought, I, I sort of thought, you know, it's worth ringing up Fox Footy and saying, unless you can beat my mum, I'm not sure I need to listen to your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> unless, Rob, she was putting in her tips. After the weekend, <laughs> uh, oh. actually, actually, she was she was honest, and she. But the funny thing is, Footy still got her. She said, "Oh, the, when when a tip was about to go the wrong way, she um, she went, oh, I had to turn it off. I just my heart was racing, oh. and <laughs> she ended up with a pacemaker. And the greatest result of that was she was able to watch close games without turning it off. <laughs> <laughs> I love it." Uh, so, well, you're going to have a bit of that going on this weekend because Geelong, Geelong is still a very good, they're still a very good team, oh, but I reckon they're, oh, they're they might good. be a bit too, they might be a bit too beat up for you. I reckon. Well, the bit that I don't understand, and I'd love you know a current day player to explain that absolute exhaustion that hits you in the last quarter. Yeah, um, that that must be such a massive factor because the oh. camera do, is, doesn't show the running off the ball. You know, it shows you the players running to the ball, mm. but that positioning yeah. and running like. That gut running off the ball late in a fourth quarter must be must be as painful as it gets. And certainly as a fan holding a beer in the outer, I've never factored <laughs> in how tired the players might be in the last quarter. <laughs> <laughs> He's not even running. It, it, is, it, is, it is amazing the contrast between what the players are doing on the field and what the people yelling at the players on the field <laughs> are doing off the field. Oh, yeah. 
like like darts and pool, our expertise increases with every. <laughs> Uh, let's have a quick chat about the Bulldogs and the Lions uh, okay. before okay. we wrap ourselves up here. Uh, well, I'll just hand over to you, Danny. I assume you're going to address the appalling umpiring. Mate, you tell me what. Tell me one decision you were upset with, and I'll tell you why you were wrong. Okay. The decision with two minutes to go when the scores were level, and yes. I think it was Bailey Dale, dragged the ball under. Even Luke Darcy... Oh, I've got to be honest with you, I'm not sure if he should be commentating Bulldogs games anymore. <laughs> uh, even Luke Darcy said, uh, oh, you can't drag it in like that. He's got to get it out. He's got to get it out. He's got to get it out. Oh, it's a ball up. Oh. Mm, and then all the other mm. commentators jumped in and said, well, that's holding, holding the ball every day of the week. I think if you look closely, Limo, he's actually taken high, so that cancels out the dragon uh, at that point. Ah, that's interesting. <laughs> I wonder if umpires do think like that in a split you have you know, to, yeah. moment. Would an umpire yeah. go, I told oh, but he's high. All right, I'll just ball it up. Yeah. It was no, there was a look it, there was dodgy decisions either way. Do you remember when Caleb Daniel socketed off the ground, was, went off the ridiculous. side of his boot and they that gave was it a, deliberate? That was an appalling decision, but the only one that went in favour oh, of the Lions. A lot of not calls. Anyway, it's, it's an old hack. I'll, I'll tell you hey. what, there was, there was two forms of revenge that night. There was one yes. short-term revenge, the Bulldogs beating the Lions by a point, literally two weeks after they got beat us on percentage by a point. It was the same, same end of the Gabba, same point in the dying seconds. It was a beautiful symmetry to it. And also a long form revenge because uh, in 1999, Alistair Lynch did the choking symbol to uh, Scott West when they knocked us out of a semi final. So I sent that to a couple of Snide Lions fans. Yeah. Did anyone do No one did that on the ground, though, did they? No one did it on the ground. I did actually send it to Scott West's wife, who I'm friends with. Uh, she works at the club, and I said, please pass it on. She goes, you're not the only one to have done that, but he appreciates it. <laughs> it, seems like, it seems like Luke Beveridge would be very tolerant of that kind of showboating if someone did do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's not a fan of that. Hey, um, Gardner, Ryan Gardner, 100% game time. You don't see that very often. Never. Did not come off. He ran over 15 Ks. Yeah, that's a big wow. night out. Wow. Yeah, that's a big night out. But it was, but it was an incredible. It, it, to be fair, it was an incredible game of football, and to win by a rush with a rush behind. Uh, and and I'll, I hate to bring it back to Hawthorne, Danny McGinley, but an old Hawk, no, Taylor Gray, uh, I thought was bloody magnificent. On, uh, yeah, taking on Charlie Cameron in the dying seconds, I was very panicked. Uh, what was hilarious, even my wife watched it, uh, who, you know, not into footy at all. And uh, when uh, the – so we got – Bailey Smith got that goal, did the ice in the vein celebration, oh, you know, and she – but even then, you know, she was going, why are you jumping around so much? And I go, because yeah. we just won a final. What's wrong with you? And then uh, Lions got the next goal, like, straight away, and it was hilarious watching her brain go – but that's not fair. We we won. How can they? They're not supposed to do that. I go. Do you see why it's emotional? <laughs> Welcome to footy. Yeah, and uh, then thankfully we got it. Um, I am worried about Bontempelli. Bontempelli's knee is going to be the most talked about body part in all of Melbourne yeah. this week. And uh, I'll tell you why I'm worried. Did a bit of research on AFL tables since Marcus Bontempelli debuted in round. Five, I think it was, 2014, he has missed seven games uh-huh. in total. Let, let me guess what you're about to say next, Danny McGinley. You've yep. lost all seven? We've won two. Okay. Wow. We beat Gold Coast at Ballarat <laughs> and yeah. we beat Melbourne in 2014. Was that your lowest ebb, Rob, 2014? Gee, that's interesting. It was it, uh, the game where we lost by a... Close to two hundred points at Cadinia Park, wasn't that? Yeah. Was, that that was a low ebb. Yeah. Um, that was we, we sort of managed to we sort of managed to uh, um, get a lot of first round draft picks, yeah, and, and not not do a lot with them. Um, actually, yeah. when did where did Bont go in um, the draft? He was pick three or four. Right, it's amazing, we, isn't it? That you wouldn't just pick before. him one. Collingwood. No, he wasn't pick one. Yeah. Yeah, I think Should he was check pick out draft four, guru. Yeah. It, it's I, sort of, I always wonder why I guess Lockie Neal 
proves you, you I just don't want a first round draft pick under six foot one or two. Yeah. yeah. There's a where did Caleb Daniel go in the draft? He's about Oh, we got him like pick fifty eight or something. Yeah. Six, yeah. Um and I but, can find it for you, uh, Bontempelli. Hang on, just bear with me a sec, folks. Uh, no Cody Waitman this week, though, Danny. Yeah, he's out, he which is. is a shame. He's an absolute, he is just X Factor personified. It's very exciting <laughs> to watch him play. And uh, yeah, like that was de- like, you know, it was so tense anyway. And then you don't even see him get injured. It was just like they came back from halftime and go, oh, by the way, Waitman's off and it's a head knock, so he's out next week. It was like killing off a character in a TV show between episodes. (laughs) (laughs) They just went on Ted Lasso and they go, oh, by the way, Coach Beard got hit by a car. (laughs) What's amazing about injuries in our game is there's so much body contact. There's so much impact. Oh, yeah. And then you go, they play 22 games and then, land awkwardly and suddenly you're going, well, how did you, injure, how did you not yeah. get injured for what six months? What was it about that time? <laughs> yeah, and that's how, a great and point. And the number, Rob, of uh, ACLs that are just an innocuous turn. Mm, totally. Not even totally. a collision. Yeah. And uh, yet they get thumped every week. That knock that um, who flattened Jeray the other night? Oh. Joe uh, Danaher. Yeah. Flattened Jeray and he just bounced straight back up. I mean, any one of us that would have, Dislocated a shoulder, broke it would be what, carried off. What was the what was the knee procedure that I've forgotten already? That that was it. Lars, no. Was oh yeah, the Lars. One where you, was it Lars? No, okay. yeah, Lars. Where you'd be back? Someone came back in eight weeks. Now who? Someone came Liber- back from three. Tony Liberatore. All right. Well, he yeah. had Lars because yeah. I remember it being a Lars miracle. Yeah, now, he was Lars only eight weeks. Dis- Lars seems to have disappeared. I haven't heard it mentioned for a while, so I'm starting to think it's 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 back to the old 12-month. By the way, uh, number one draft pick, the draft picks before Bontempelli, number one, Tom Boyd, number two, Josh Kelly, number three, Jack Billings. Mm. And number four, I mean, they're all pretty good footballers. They're all great footballers. Mm. All right, we should wrap up soon. I do have a couple more things uh, to mention. One, we should also shout out to Geelong's Max Holmes for the greatest of all time miss on Friday night, running into an open goal and somehow oh. missing. Did you see that? <laughs> I know, he, was, he was a foot out. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's actually impressive. Oh. It does make and also, Here's a question. How were there Giants fans at Optus Stadium? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I guess they Expats. have maybe been in Perth the whole time, perhaps. Yeah. I texted a friend who works at the Giants uh, Lee Merrick, who wrote that uh, Footy Banners book, he reckons it was a lot of, uh, you know, of course, if there's a few gi- proper Giants fans, but he thinks there was a few Dockers and Eagles fans buying, you know, wearing orange clothes and getting oh, yeah. together and just cheering on the non-Victorian side. I think mm. there was a lot of anti-Geelong sentiment. Yeah, the- also Cornelia Taylor and uh, Cornelio Taylor and Deboer and Hill are all West Australian boys. There we go. So there, that's it. That's the yeah. theory. And one yeah. last question we have, Rob. This actually was some listener mail from about a month ago, but I mm. knew we had you coming up. Uh, this is from Sally Kay, uh, who a few weeks ago, uh, well, there was some team flogging another team, and I've forgotten which since then, but the commentators referred to it as champagne football. <laughs> and she wanted to know where did that phrase come from? And I, I believe you coined that, didn't you, Rob? Champagne comedy. Well, I was, I was actually only explaining this to someone the other day. It's... It, it's one of those things that um, started out completely opposite to the way it's interpreted now. <clears throat> we were doing a show called The Late Show on the ABC and Tom Gleisner used to do it at News Desk with some stories and he'd often go out and record something silly and and he, during the week, he, he, he had this idea of what if the stump, someone took the stumps out of a cricket match but took the stump camera one instead of the stump <laughs> and they filmed inside the... <laughs> now, look, it's in the side of the dressing room. Now, it sounds funny. The way it was executed wasn't. Um, <laughs> and, and I said to Tom, mate, I don't think we can show that. And this was on Saturday. He goes, well, it's Saturday. I wish we, we're going live to air in a few hours. And I go, I know, we'll just, well, he said, then I've got nothing for it. And I go, but seriously, it's, it's not up to it. And he goes, oh, I've, got, I've got nothing else. And I was aghast and I said to him, okay, you show it, but I want to write a reply. 
<laughs> so I, it was to cover up the fact that it was not good. Yeah. So I went into the um, the wardrobe and said, can I have a tuxedo and a bow tie and can you just get me some cheap spumante and a glass of... And so Tom did the sketch not knowing I was going to come on and I came on, Tom, sorry to interrupt you, but every now and again a piece of comedy rises to a level that is... <laughs> And I said, truly champagne comedy. And then Tony Martin put that photo of me with the champagne glass on the cover of the best bits or something called the champagne comedy edition. And so (laughs) it was actually a complete cover-up of a shit sketch that we did. Uh, (laughs) The birth of champagne comedy. Yeah, it was was genuinely because out of embarrassment. (laughs) Great, great concept though. This, yeah, this it's funny the way people people use it now, and they, and it's sort of the <laughs> the irony slowly drifted away from it. Uh, well, uh, Rob Sitch, thank you for joining us on They Came to Play. Um, where will you be? What? Oh, will you be watching at home? <laughs> We're in lockdown. Uh, You're not going anywhere. Uh, what I'll be watching it with? I've got I got for Father's Day a a liter of Suntory whiskey, Japanese whiskey. Oh, All right. That may not survive. Uh, very <laughs> nice. Well, good luck Saturday. Uh, everyone uh, will plug. Uh, have you been paying attention? Of course, every Monday eight forty on Channel Ten, and also the cheap seats Tuesday nights on Channel Ten at nine nine. Yeah, nine? It's, it's generally at nine. We we nine. sort of we, we're not. Uh, we're not important enough to go at, at 8.30. Uh, if, if you ever watch the cheap seats and feel like you've seen something familiar, the, the set we used is actually the old Big Bash set that when, oh, Chan- when Channel 10 right. lost the cricket. Okay. <laughs> so it's a, it's a, it's a, in, in the spirit of the cheap seats, all the sets recycled. No <laughs> wonder it? Melanie Bracewell looks so at home because she is the niece of New Zealand <laughs> oh, cricketer. Oh, oh. Of, uh, of sporting John, royalty in New Zealand, the yeah. Bracewells, yeah, John Bracewell, the uh, yeah New Zealand cricketer. Um, so uh, get across the cheap seats. Have you been paying attention, uh, Rob Sitch? All the best. Thank you. D's this weekend. Go D's. And uh, let's hope we see you in the granny against Danny. Against who? What would your wish be? Oh, look, it's a port of such a wonderful side, but <laughs> I think I'm going to have to choose. I think I'd prefer the Bulldogs. It the may be the rematch. It may well be the end of a friendship, Danny. There we go. <laughs> we'll be, always have the cheap seats. It'll be a very tense uh, few mm. days on set. At, have you been paying attention in the cheap seats <laughs> after that grand final? Uh, thank you very much, Rob. Thanks, Lemo. Thanks, thank Danny. Thank you, Danny. Thank you. Go, dogs. Go, hawks. Yeah. Oh.